pizza and talking about what the, are the essential essentials of followers of Jesus or the essential of a healthy church are a little bit the same. We can debate quite a bit about the extras, can't we? We can really get into some robust uh, conversations about the, the extras. But when it comes down to the essentials, I mean, with pizza, it's pretty simple, right? There's a crust, there's usually a sauce, and then there's something on top. That's sort of the essentials of a pizza. But what are the essentials for followers of Jesus? What are the essentials? What are the basics? Now, we're not, we don't just have to guess or, or, or start some big fight over it. We have the Bible to help us understand what the basic essentials for followers of Jesus are. So we have the commands of Christ, and we have the obedient actions of the early church to help us see what the basic essentials are. And so we're going to look at those, and I want to, re- I want to invite you to grab the Bible in your bench there in front of you. And I'm going to, again, you can do this on your electronic device as well if you have a Bible on there. But whether you're using electronic or paper, I encourage you, it's page 884 in your bench Bible. Let's give those Bibles a little bit of a workout this morning as we read there. So page 884, and we're going to read um, what essentials the early church practiced. And that's what I want you to be looking for as we read on page 884. And as you go down that first column, you're looking for the small number 36 there. So it's Acts 2, 36. And we're going to read to the end of 47. Okay? So did you find it? All right, let's read it. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God who has God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do? And Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them as he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42. They They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're talking about essentials. Did you see any essentials in there? Do you see some things in there you thought, oh, that's what it looks like to have a healthy church? Or that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus who's following his teachings? I want to, instead of me pointing them out, I um, I want us to watch a video that helps us to visualize 
And not just to visualize, to be, but to be able to retell what these essentials are. And now, again, look at the scriptures, which you have, and then listen to this video. And my hope is that after you watch this video, you'll actually be able to, in, your, in a very simple way, be able to retell what the essentials of a healthy church or a healthy disciple of Jesus are. What are our basic functions? Okay, let's watch this video. It's called The Church Circle. All right, go ahead and open up your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 47, and uh, read that with your buddy. And I want you to read that through and then discuss what, make a list of what, what did that first church, this is the first ever church, what did that first church do? All right, go ahead. Okay, so now we're going to talk about what did we see this first ever church in Acts? What did they do? So we're going to draw a dotted line that illustrates a, a group. And then once a, a group of believers commits to being church, we make it a solid line. And um, all right, so what were the different things that we saw in there? Okay, we had baptism. Good. And we had make disciples, that's right. And we had prayer, that's right. And we have love, that's right. They were spending time together, they're with each other regularly. And that's right, they're singing praises. So we have worship. And we would, they celebrated the Lord's Supper, the breaking of the bread. Yeah, they were super generous. So there was definitely giving that was happening there. And, uh, yep, apostles teaching the word. And you see in there it says apostles teaching. So we, we've got leaders there. And uh, they're devoted. So this solid line just represents that they're, they're devoted to one another. And that's right, that they repent and believe. That's how they become a part of it. So these are the functions of a healthy church, all right? So go ahead and practice these with your buddy and do your best to keep them in, in the order. We'll tell you in a minute why that's important, all right? So go ahead and just practice what we just did at Acts 2 and draw. try to do your best to draw the church circle as you see it. All right, go ahead. Now, I'm, I'm willing to bet that if I spent the next uh, half hour with you just going over those 10 things and hadn't shown you it in a visual, that you wouldn't retain all 10 things. But I bet some of you could almost recreate that circle right there, uh, or most of it, or, or at least half of it. You go, oh, okay, I remember some of the essentials of a healthy church. I remember some of those things because it's, it's visual. Uh, I am so thankful for the... Um, Resources like this. I think we need short demonstrations uh, to make it possible for us to be able to teach others. And now if you're in a life group and you're following along with the uh, commands of Christ curriculum that we're providing for you, you're going to be asked every week to uh, draw that circle. Just somebody in the group to just draw that circle. And just to remind ourselves every week, what are the essentials to a, to a healthy church? And they correspond with, what are the commands of Jesus? 
Because a healthy church simply obeys the basic commands of Jesus. And that's what this series is about. It's called The Commands of Christ. We're equipping followers of Jesus to simply obey his commands. So that's why the resources, and that's why the focus. And you know, the basics are why people succeed. The basics are why people succeed. Like, I mean, it's why uh, teams win. Whether your team is a work team or a sports team or you're on a team for some sort of specific function, it's actually nailing the basics. That's why we succeed in life. And it's often when we don't succeed that we can go back and go, hey, there was something basic that we just didn't get right. There's something, you know, that was so foundational to our success that we forgot or we didn't do or we left undone. And so uh, it's great for us to know as Jesus followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, what does he want us to do? And what are the basics that will help us to accomplish what he's calling us to do? That's what this series is about. You see, we took a little bit of a, I said last week I was using a football illustration from my high school days. I was saying that I got to play middle linebacker in grade 11, and one of the things our coach allowed us to do as middle linebacker, and I know this isn't true for all high school teams, was we got to make the defensive calls on our team so I could call the blitzes or the stunts or the different formations for the defense, and it was really fun. It was way too much power to put into a uh, grade 11 boy's hands uh, in, in, the t- in the game specific game I was thinking about last week. But I realized that all the defensive plays I was calling on the team, they weren't always helping us. In fact, I probably needed more guidance than just the permission to make the, the calls. I needed to get more guidance from my coach to understand how can I make the kind of calls that will help us and not hinder us. And so I said, I really should have been calling instead of another blitz for my buddy who wanted to try a crack at the quarterback, I was really should have been calling an audible and saying, okay, we're not, we need to really figure out what's going to work or call a timeout and go talk to the coach. And I feel like as a church, that's where we are right now. We're calling an audible. And I think this happens in different stages as a church. In fact, I think we called an audible a few years ago. We had a recognition that our current efforts as a church um, were creating many good things, but we weren't seeing a lot of new disciples being made. We weren't seeing a lot of people coming to know Jesus and experience his love, grace, and hope in their lives, as many as we thought should be coming to see those things. And we weren't seeing Christians become disciple makers. And so we realized that our current methods and our current efforts are getting our current results. And so we said, how can we, how can we change? How can we improve? How can we do things better? How can we resource our people? How can we equip you and equip ourselves as well to simply obey the commands of Christ? So we said we need to change if we're going to see more people reconciled to God and mature in Christ, which is our mission. We strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. And when you have a big audacious goal like seeing all people, like that's what our mission statement says. That's our goal. All people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. We came across this, um, um, this has been 
over the course of several years looking for things like this, but we came across this group called No Place Left. That's who made the video you just watched. They made that video. No Place Left, the idea that is it possible within the area that we live, in our spheres of influence, that it's possible that we could see Moose Jaw and area and wherever you're from saturated with the gospel in such a way that there's no place left that hasn't heard the good news about Jesus Christ. Is that possible? And uh, we wanted to, to shift the things that we do so that something like that can be possible in our lifetime. So we've been eagerly seeking change for many years. We wrote a vision paper in 2021 that highlights a number of the aspirations that we have in areas of multiplication and prayer and evangelism and um, discipleship. And this Commands of Christ series brings a lot of these aspirations together. A focus on multiplying disciples and disciple makers. A clear and simple understanding of discipleship and a pathway to get there. A taking of spiritual responsibility for our spheres of influence. So that can be my family, my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers, my classmates, my teammates. They're people within my sphere of influence. So sort of owning them spiritually in a way, owning the responsibility for them. And then we wanted to demonstrate reproducible models for discipleship, and that's why we're trying to find as many simple tools that are easily reproducible and then train and resource our church uh, for, to be disciple makers and, and uh, to make disciples. One of the other reasons for me is I keep looking at Luke chapter 10 too, which, which says the harvest is plenty, plentiful. There's lots, there's lots to be done. And the laborers are few. And Jesus commanded us to pray personally that he would send laborers into the harvest field. And you can't really pray that prayer with all integrity without praying that you will be one of those laborers. Lord, send laborers, send people to enter into the harvest field. Well, then you're pretty much going to realize that part of that answer to prayer is you. Lord, send me. Lord, equip me. Lord, train me. Lord, help me. Lord, give me your heart. Lord, help me to love people like you love them. Help me to value them like you value them. Help me to seek out those who are far from God and bring the message that you want them to hear. The other thing they think really grabs us is out of the Great Commission. Now, this is, let me read this. Actually, grab your Bible. You can read it on, let's, let's get, again, we're giving them a workout this morning. Page 811. We're going to read one of the most famous commands, maybe, yeah, one of the most famous commands of Christ, and it's called the Great Commission. So Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, but it's on page 811, and look for the small number 18 on that page. I hear the rustling. That means good things. So page 811 in the small number 18. Let's read it. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
When I read that, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, um, that one really hits home. Especially when you tie it back to the main command in this passage, which is go and make disciples. So go and make disciples is the headliner of the command, and then there's baptizing them and teaching them. And teaching them not just to know things, but to obey everything Jesus has commanded. I did a bit of a search. Um, I was reading this uh, a couple years ago, and I, I went searching online. Has anyone ever compiled all the things Jesus ever commanded? And if so, I want to read those lists. And so I found a few different people who had made attempts to compile everything Jesus had commanded into a list of commands. And they were long. I remember one in particular where, they, where someone got it, they thought they had boiled it down to 51 commands. And I was like, 51 commands, that's not easily memorized. That's not easily retained. And so I began to look, has anyone even gone further to compile a list of his commands? And I found actually that several had tried to get it down to sort of basic commands, the essentials. Like, here's, here's, the, here's the beginning essentials. And they were making lists that were like, you know, seven or nine different commands. And uh, that I was going, okay, this is getting easier. This is getting more, more foundational and, uh, and a little bit easier to understand. So I was excited to, to discover that. So teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you actually helps to define go and make disciples. So if I'm going to make a disciple... I want to make a disciple in such a way that they, that I'm teaching them to obey everything he's commanded. Well, can you see the circle that begins to develop out of that? If I teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded, out of a response that Christ has commanded me to make disciples, then I'm going to teach them to make disciples. So the goal isn't just to make a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. The goal is to make a follower of Jesus who can make followers of Jesus. And that the followers of Jesus they're making can also make followers of Jesus. In fact, that's the only reason that we're here today. Is that this is Jesus' strategy. He made disciples and taught them to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples for 2,000 years until... Somebody helped you to understand how to follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus today, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was somebody in, in your church growing up. Who, I don't know who, maybe it was at a Bible camp. I don't know where you met somebody who helped you understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. But it's, the intention is for that chain to continue. And so that we could make disciples teaching them to obey everything is command, including the command to make disciples. So how can we help each other succeed in making disciples who make disciples? And how can we reliably teach others to obey everything Jesus has commanded? Well, I think there's two things we need. One, we need simple, memorable tools. That's why I'm bringing some of these tools for you to look at. Even that thing. Now, I think some of you might say, I have a better chance this morning of explaining what are the essentials of a healthy church after watching that video than I did when I walked in here today. Because it was simple and hopefully memorable. Again, that was a two-minute video. It wasn't a long sermon. It was just a quick, let's draw it, let's write it. That'll help us remember. And coming back to it again and again so that we remember what are the things 
So we need simple, memorable tools that pretty much anyone can use. I was watching, I will, I'm going to show you one more memorable tool video in a little bit. And it's one I've seen a few different versions of it. The one version I saw of it that really caught my attention, I'm not showing it you this morning, but it was, it was really good. It was a 10-year-old boy using it, explaining the gospel with a simple, um, with a three-circle diagram. So I'll, we'll share that with you in a little bit. But we need simple, measurable tools that pretty much anyone can use because we need to prepare ourselves to share the message. Sometimes we get those opportunities um, where somebody just out of the blue says, you know, what's this all about? Or we have a chance to share with somebody about Jesus, and we, have you ever had those moments? Like, I had one this week. The Lord just humbled me in a good way this week. <laughs> I, I, was, I was sitting under the, uh, the sedate, I was in the dentist chair. And uh, while I'm in the dentist chair, the dentist and the assistant are talking back and forth about uh, things in their lives. And uh, one of them, who's a believer, was sharing with the other one a little bit of how they saw God save them from, like, certain death in a car accident scenario. And so they're sharing their testimony. I've got my mouth gaped open. I've got the whole side of my face frozen up. Uh, I've been, they've been drilling into my tooth for quite a long time. You know, it's not the it's not the ideal sharing testimony scenario, right? I can't talk. I'm in absolute, you know, well, I'm not in too much pain. There's a lot of drugs involved in making that possible. Anyhow, so I, I get all done, and I'm like, this is neat, like, to hear this conversation. Of course, I'm not a part of it. And then when it's all done, I get up, and then the one, one of them says to me and says, well, you must have some story about God providing for you. It's so funny. I'm under, under the influence of whatever drugs, and I'm like, yeah, I should. But <laughs> I'm also taking the drugs that don't allow me to drive home. So it's like, yeah, we need simple, reproducible tools so you can, you can share the gospel under the influence. <laughs> it's got to be that simple. So now I did share something. I, I, I talked about, God, you know, our, our journey with parenting and, and our journey with infertility. And I talked about how God did an amazing thing through our journey with fostering the dog. I, I did say something. But you know what I wish I'd said, now that it's all said and done, is I wish I'd just simply shared what we, I was, used the training tool last week, which is basically a 15-second God story. Like a one statement. I wish I'd shared that in the moment. But it was so funny because I thought, well, Lord, you're humbling me as well as showing me things at the same time. So in the moment, the thing I was trying to train you in last week, I didn't use. And I want to blame it on the drugs, but I think it's more than that. It's just we've got to become familiar with sharing our story. we just got to be familiar. And in those moments, I was... I was given this great big opportunity, and I did share something and did give glory to God in some way. But I went afterwards, and I thought, wow, I didn't think that would come up. I didn't think someone would just ask me to share um, in this unlikely scenario. So we need simple, memorable tools anyone can use, and we're going to watch one right now. Okay? So this is called Three Circles, and uh, again... It's done memorably, so hopefully we can reproduce it. And so let's watch. 
If you turn on the television or look at your Facebook feed, it's very clear that we live in a broken world. There's a lot of death, a lot of disease and suffering. But we also see traces of beauty, like the beauty of a sunset or the laugh of a child. And that's because God's design was perfect when He made it. There was no death or disease or suffering. But starting with the very first people, we as humans chose to go our own way and leave God's perfect design. And that's called sin. And and sin is what led to brokenness in our world and us and sinfulness. Well, we don't like to be in brokenness, this state that we're born in. So we try to get out. So for some, they try to get out on their own by climbing the ladder of success at work or school, thinking that'll get them out. Others try to get out themselves by doing good things or being religious and going to church and helping people. And while those are great things, they don't get us out of brokenness. Some try to drown out the brokenness with drugs and alcohol or attempts at suicide or or maybe even relationships. And these attempts to get out of brokenness ourselves end up snapping us back in like a bungee cord. But God loved us so much, He didn't want us to stay in brokenness. So He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He provided the only way out. And that is through His Son, Jesus. You see, Jesus came down into our world and allowed Himself to be killed on a cross taking on our sin. And three days later, He rose from the dead. And He declared that if anyone would turn from their way and surrender to Him and believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead, would be willing to make Him their King or their Lord, that they would be forgiven and made new and would then be Uh, able to experience God's perfect design for their life. I want to ask you, which of these two would you say you're in? Are you still in brokenness? Or have you repented and believed in Jesus and are now back in His design? Okay, you're in brokenness. Well, which one of these two do you want to be in? Okay, great. Well, is there anything that keeps you from turning from your way and believing in the gospel of Jesus and making Him your Lord, your King. Okay, great. You know, when I chose to make this decision, I prayed a simple prayer, very similar to this picture. I just told God that I'm sorry for my sin, that I left your design, and for the ways that I've tried to get out of brokenness on my own. I'm ready to turn from my way and surrender to you, and I believe that this is true. And I want to make you my Lord so I can become new and experience your design for my life. Is that something you'd like to do? And then just pray with them. So this is the Three Circles Gospel Presentation. How many think if you watch that a couple times, you could probably reproduce that? You could probably show that. You could probably draw that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, last week we had, um, I shared with you a, an even simpler tool, and that's just a 15-second testimony, or a 15-second God story, and um, 
then what I did through the week was I had meetings with our elders team, and I also had meeting uh, the board of elders here in the church, and I also had meetings with our staff team. And both of those meetings, I said, well, we've all seen these video of, of sharing just in one sentence, one 15-second sentence, um, our, our story, right? Our story of encountering Jesus and what he's done. And I'll read you the example that we, we had in church last week of someone sharing a 15-second testimony. But then I'm going to read you, I asked these two leadership groups, I asked them, tell me your 15-second story. And I'll, I want to just share some of those elements with you really quickly of what they shared. So this, was, this is how it sounds, if you're going to share a 15-second uh, story. There was a time in my life when I was extremely selfish and I thought of suicide. But then I was forgiven by Jesus and chose to follow him, and I discovered the joy of serving others, and now my life has purpose. I wish I'd said something like that, getting out of the dentist chair. In fact, I'd practiced, and I'd figured out what my test, mine, it was. So mine was this. There's a time in my life where I struggled to love other people, and I had a lot of fear in a lot of areas. But then I was forgiven by Jesus and chose to follow him. And I discovered a new freedom in loving others and a whole new level of peace in my life. That's what I wish I'd shared. And by God's grace, I will share next time I have an opportunity. But here's, I want to just give you just some of the before and after elements that were, I, I heard from, from our, our uh, different leaders in this church. So if you want to insight window into the leaders in our church. Just listen to these. I had someone say, um, there's a time in their life where they were, they, there was selfishness and they were, they were ashamed of themselves and they came to love people and being restored. Someone else felt, they said they never felt good enough, but because of Jesus' forgiveness and following him, they were forgiven and they began to, began to understand God's grace. Someone else said they had no peace and no purpose, and now they have peace, and now they have purpose. Someone said they were hurt and alone, and then they were forgiven by Jesus, and they learned to forgive others, and now they experience community and joy. Someone said they were anxious, and they needed to be perfect, and now they feel peace, and they have God's purpose in their lives. Someone said they were desperate, and they didn't see any future for themselves. And they also have experienced his peace and purpose. And then this last one, someone said they felt alone and hopeless. But then they were forgiven by Jesus and chose to follow him. And now they never feel alone. And they have a great hope in their lives. That's the people who are leading our church. Just a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God. But he did something meaningful in our lives. See, we're all the same in many ways. I might have done some specific things that you haven't, and you might have done some specific things that I haven't. But it's not the specifics of our sin that makes it a relatable God story. It's the broken condition we find ourselves without God. The symptoms of brokenness showing up in our lives reveal that all people have a God-shaped hole on the inside. And the ache of our brokenness, however it shows up, is shouting at us that all of us are sinners separated from God, and that we all need his forgiveness and leadership in our lives. 
And if Jesus never came as a humble baby and never lived a sinless life and never died a sacrificial death for our sin and never rose again to show that he was God, then we would have no hope. We'd just be stuck in our sin and separated from God forever. But he did come. And he did live a sinless life. And he did die a sacrificial death for us. And he did rise again to authenticate that he truly was God. And because of that, he offers you his forgiveness and leadership. If you'll turn from your sin, Jesus will forgive you and lead your life. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of the good news. That's what gospel means, good news. And it's, all, and it's something you can embrace. Even right now, if you're here and you say, I'm, I'm not a Christian, it's something you can embrace right now in your life. The hope that's offered. That he'll deal with your past. He'll help you in your present and he'll give you an incredible hope for your future. I'm going to pray a prayer right now and it's the kind of prayer you could pray every day. It's also the kind of prayer that could be your first prayer you ever pray to God. And I'm going to invite you as a congregation to repeat it with me. And maybe if you're here and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe this is your moment, and you will. So you are welcome to pray it along with us. But it's just simple, not too complicated. Let me just, I'll say a few words and you can repeat them after me. And, but it's really God knows your heart. Not the words. It's not words that are a magic mantra or something. It's just God knows your heart, and he knows whether you're turning to him in trust and belief. So, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Help me to live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I said that there's two things that I think we need in order to um, be disciples who make disciples. And uh, I was reading a stat this week. I'm not sure if we'll get that stat up on this. If, if it's there, you can show it. I was reading a stat about churches. And the, the, um, the stat about churches in North America, that there, there's, very, there's less and less status quo churches. Churches are either advancing or declining. There's, they're either much in decline or some decline or there's some growth or much growth. And I remember reading this and going, okay, yeah, 12% of churches are sort of stable and all the rest are, are there's movement. Some negative, some positive. You know what hit me after I looked at this? I said, well, of course. That makes total sense. Because that's the same about every Christian. Churches are just made up of followers of Jesus. And so churches are growing and declining and based on the fact that we are always changing. We are making decisions and we are... and, and acting in certain ways week after week that are either growing us or shrinking us in our walk with God. 
We're either going forward or we're coming back. I don't think we're just static and staying in one place. Sometimes I feel that about myself, but I don't think that's true. We're either growing or we're going back. And so we need, I said already, we need some tools, reproducible tools that we can use so that we can communicate the gospel. But God is not just interested in preparing the message as much as he is also interested in preparing the messenger. So we need not just status quo for us as believers as well. Either we are surrendering more of ourselves to him or we're holding back more of ourselves from him. We're either going forward or we're sliding back. And so we need personal revival that comes from much more prayer and intimacy with Jesus. I'm thankful to Pastor Dave Wicks for prompting me with this at the beginning of our week of prayer, just talking about the Welsh revival. There was a great revival that happened in Wales. In fact, there were several revivals that happened, but probably the most famous one happened when a young man named Evan Roberts fully committed himself to God and then began to speak to Welsh people about fully committing themselves to God. And he had four sort of uh, tenets. He had four things that he said that were essential to get ourselves in the right place so that we could be used of God and that God could bring revival. And these were his four things. He said, one, confessing openly and fully to God any sin not confessed to him before. It says it begins with repentance. It begins with confession. We bring those things before God. We agree with God that those things are sin and that we don't want to align ourselves with sin, but we want to align ourselves with God. Secondly, he said, do away with anything doubtful in ourselves. I think a lot of times we allow things in our lives and and we go, well, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but then we realize it's not having the best effect. And in fact, it's maybe crowding out the best things in our lives that God wants to bring in. And so he said, be ruthless. Do away with anything doubtful in yourselves. If you have some sort of uh, check in your spirit that that thing just shouldn't be or that thing's taking up too much or it's it's become too important in your life, He said, do away with it. Third thing out of four, he said, was give prompt obedience to the influences of the Holy Spirit in your heart. So many times we'll have a sense of God's direction to do or to say or to, you know, move towards somebody in relationship or or to serve or to give or whatever it is. He said, give prompt obedience to those influences. Be quick to obey. Don't let that be plucked away by the enemy, but actually act on them. And then the last one, he said, confess Christ openly and publicly before the world. Confess Christ openly and publicly before the world. I think there's different steps in that. I mean, do people know that you are a follower of Jesus? Do people know that you are a person who has a personal relationship with him? Do people know that you are praying for them? I always feel like with some of my friends in relationships who aren't followers of Jesus, I feel like there's a bit of a progression. It's like 
Well, start praying for them, Steve, because I got to get my heart right. I might have all sorts of different ways which I don't care about them. Unlike Jesus, who does. I might be indifferent to their, their situation or their plight or their needs, and so I need to begin with prayer. And then that prayer progression takes another step. I, I begin to try to, I pray blessing on their lives. I pray for them to flourish, to do well in their career, in their family, in their health, and everything I can imagine. Anything I would pray for my own self or for my own family, I start to pray for them. And then, if I have opportunity in talking with them, I'll tell them I'm praying for them. Or if they have a need that they bring up, I'll try to meet that need. If it's something very basic, like, you know, they need food or clothing, well, then I try to help just basic ways. With, but a lot of the needs they have I can't solve because they're supernatural. I can't heal a physical body, but I can pray for that. I can't uh, send away the, the uh, clouds of depression, but I can pray for that. And so the, I'll go from telling people I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your family, to actually saying, can I pray with you? And let me tell you, I've almost never, almost never had anyone refuse that. In fact, I'm not sure if anyone's totally refused that. I'm trying to think back of an example. Back to Evan Roberts. Confessing Christ openly and publicly before the world. Now, what happened after that, after Evan Roberts taught these simple things was that a wave of spiritual change came over the nation of Wales. So much so that we still talk about it hundreds of years later. So if there's going to be place, if there's going to be no place left where the gospel hasn't penetrated in Moose Jaw, an area, God is going to have to prepare us to deliver a message, but he's got to prepare the messengers too. He's got to prepare us too. Would you stand? We sing a song in our church. I'm not, I don't know that we're singing that right now, but we will in a moment sing a song of worship to God. But sing a song, Lord, send revival. We say, send it right now. And um, when we sing that song, it's not about I mean, it's, it's both and. Did Jesus, remember, he said, pray that there be harvesters for this great big harvest field. Pray that there be laborers. So we pray that, but if you're praying for revival and you're praying for laborers, you should be, the first part of your prayer should be, here I am, send me. Here I am, I'm available. Make me part of the answer to the prayer I'm actually praying And so we want to do that together. And so I, what I want to do is, is just invite you to offer yourself to God. You know what? You've got a lot of things you're carrying in your life. If you want to just do this with me, just open your hands before God. Open your hands before God. This is two things. It's one, there's maybe things in your life, just like I've talked about with Evan Roberts, where they, it's in your hands right now, but it shouldn't be. It's one of those doubtful areas, or it's one of those things that you know is, is sin in your life. And I don't know if you want to just do this gesture, but just to turn your hand upside down, just to release that. Just to release that right now. Say, I know that my, my grip on that or that thing in my life, I, I just want to release that to you, Lord. I want to relinquish it. 
I don't need that. I need you. And then just flip your hand back up again. Empty hands. God, would you put into our hands, would you put into our lives the things you want in our lives? We know, we know it at at some level, but I don't think we fully know it, that we are going to be most alive when we are living the adventure that you have called us on. That we are going to be most fulfilled when we recognize and feel that we are in partnership with you day in and day out in your purposes in this world. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would send us and put into our hands what we need. I pray for the resources. We've been praying that for years. And, Lord, you've been answering that prayer bit by bit by bit. I even feel like you're answering it now in this series. Lord, keep giving us what we need, the understandings we need, the posture we need in our heart, the resources, the simple tools that we can reproduce and that we can not only use, but use them in such a way that someone who, who hears them, they say, I could use that too. Lord, I pray you'd give us people. Tonight when we come for the Good News Prayer Meeting, we're just going to pray for people. We're going to pray for people that you love and you died for. That your, your love is beaming at them right now. And we want them to be able to receive the full, radiant glory of your love in their lives. But how can that happen unless someone goes to tell them? Unless someone shares and unlocks those truths about you, that you, you so loved the people of this world that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life with God. Yeah. Lord, help us to be your sent ones. Help us to prepare our message on our lips and prepare the messenger on the inside. We ask these things in your name. We give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.